We shall fight with growing confidence and growing strength in the air. We shall fight on the beaches. We shall fight on the landing grounds. We shall fight in the fields and in the streets. We shall never surrender until in God's good time, the new world, with all its power and might, steps forth to the rescue and the liberation of people. In times of universal deceit, truth is the only rebellion left. On today's show, more about Title IX and what you should consider if you're going to respond to the government's call to offer comments. As it says, the government says, it's going to change the very definition of this law. I'm Dr. Everett Piper, and this is The Rebellion. Good morning and welcome to The Rebellion. Thank you for listening into the show. In yesterday's program, I covered the issue of Title IX. And as I mentioned to you, I did so because I received a comment on Facebook from a follower, a fan, a friend, who asked me to give a little bit more direction as to how you all should respond to the government's call to provide comments on Title IX because the Biden administration has announced that it intends to change the rules. It intends to change the very definition of what Title IX is. Now, before the break, let me just summarize Title IX again for you. And then after the break, I'm going to give you a brief overview of what I said yesterday, and that is, what does Title IX do to the very definition of women and women's sports, and why you should respond critically to the Biden administration's intent to change the definition of the female to move the target. I'll cover that again after the break. But before we take a break, let me first give you an overview of Title IX, what it is and why you should care. Now, many of you may know, but let me just give you a quick historical summary. Then we'll take a break. Like I said, when we come back, I'll give you a quick summary of what I said yesterday in terms of why the definition of a woman matters, and you can't really you can't really be serious about Title IX if that definition keeps moving. But there's another reason that I'll cover in the second half of the show why you should be concerned about Title IX and the government's redefinition of it, changing the rules, moving the target. And that is the issue of sexual assault and sexual harassment. Okay? So those are the three things today. Number one, what is Title IX? Number two, moving the target, changing the definition of what it means to be a female and thereby making it virtually impossible to comply with Title IX and making Title IX meaningless. And then finally, the issue of sexual assault and sexual harassment. That is part and parcel of Title IX, too, and the government is moving the target on that in a very unhealthy, and I would argue, illegal way. All right, so what is Title IX? Title IX is a 1972 law. It essentially has become known as the women's sports law. However, it, it does involve more than that. But what happened in 1972 is that uh, there was a law. It was passed. Many would argue that it's a good law, and I would be among those, that institutions should give women equal access to budgets and facilities for sports. And other things, yes, but let's just zero in on sports as the, as the key example. Essentially what the law 
did and does is this. I'll speak of it within the university context because I was the president of a university for 17 years. Title IX required any college and university across the land that received federal assistance, and that included federal financial aid like Pell Grants and guaranteed students, student loans. If you accepted those dollars, then you had to give women equal access to those dollars and to the facilities that those dollars paid for, or at least helped pay for. That's the rationale. Not a bad idea, right? It basically resulted in this. You can't give, let's use basketball as an example, you can't give the men's basketball team preferential time on the court. You have to give the women's basketball team essentially the same consideration for court time. And likewise, you can't give more scholarship dollars to the men's basketball team than you do the women's basketball team. There should be parity. So women should have the same consideration when it comes to facilities and scholarship dollars. Now, makes sense, right? So as the result of that, women's sports since 1972 have thrived. You've got softball, basketball, volleyball, a variety of different sports that essentially receive the same consideration in scholarships and facilities as does or as do the men's programs. So Oklahoma Wesleyan University, when I was president there, complied with Title IX, and proudly so. Now, as I mentioned to you, before I left the presidency of Oklahoma Wesleyan University, I think I got the letter around, let's just say, 2014-15. I received a letter from the Obama administration telling me that effective immediately, under the auspices of Title IX, a law that was established to give women equal access to dollars and facilities, I was told by the Obama administration that effective immediately, under the auspices of that law, I had to start providing transgender accommodations on my campus. In other words, I had to start letting biological men intrude into women's sports programs, as well as women's facilities, locker rooms, showers, dormitories, bathrooms. My response, as I told you in yesterday's program, was no. And I explained that situation to you. I told you that I contacted the Alliance Defending Freedom, a legal agency that represents religious freedom and other uh, legal causes that are related to our First Amendment rights. I contacted the Alliance Defending Freedom, ADF, and I said, can you write me a letter? I want you to make it legally um, acceptable in terms of your language. You know, put your legalese, your legal language on it, make it what it needs to be to send back to the Obama administration. But essentially what I wanted to say is, go pound sand. The answer is no. I can't comply with Title IX if you're now telling me if the federal government is now telling me that women aren't real, how in the world can I give women equal access to anything if the female is not a biological fact? Alliance Defending Freedom crafted that letter for me. They sent it to the Obama administration. A few weeks later, we received a response. And the answer was, okay, you've got your exemption. So the moral to that part of the story is grow a spine, have some courage, step in the face of this nonsense, and tell these idiots no. Tell them. They're making no sense. 
tell them that you can't comply with a pro-woman law if they're now going to force you to deny that women exist, that a female is nothing but a fabrication and a fantasy, the equivalent of a leprechaun or a unicorn, a make-believe creature. Women don't have any rights if women aren't real. Does it make sense? So that was the first half of the story. I'm going to take a break, give you a little bit of an overview of why I feel the way that I just that I just described to you, why I'm so passionate about defending the identity, the dignity, the ontological reality, the scientific fact of the female. Tell you again why I stand strongly in that in that in in that corner of the arena, and I will not back down. But then I'm going to share with you, before we conclude the show, another aspect of Title IX that you should consider, and that is the federal government is telling us that we have to start responding differently to claims of sexual harassment and sexual assault. And the way they're telling us we have to respond is awful. I sued the Obama administration for that also. I told them, no, I wouldn't comply with the transgender accommodations. It's nonsense. It makes no sense. It's misogynistic. Denies the reality of the female. But I also sued the Obama administration for a second thing, and that is their requirement that I stop taking claims of sexual harassment and sexual assault to the legal authorities, and that I had to start convening a kangaroo court of faculty, staff, and students to adjudicate such claims of sexual assault and sexual harassment and to actually put novices, students, faculty, and staff that know nothing about any of this stuff in charge of making decisions and deny the due process that's guaranteed to these very students as the result. I'm Dr. Everett Piper, and this is The Real Rebellion. Excuse me, this is The Rebellion, and I'll be right back in a couple minutes. Okay, welcome back to The Rebellion. So, again, let's repeat yesterday's key point. I've said over and over again on this show, repetition, repetition, repetition. That's how we learn. That's how we that's how we craft our beliefs, because the more we fine-tune what it is that we think and say, the more we have confidence in that belief as something that we understand and that we can communicate to others. So I'm going to repeat in slightly different terms what I said yesterday, and that is, why do I have such an issue? Why do I take issue with anyone, whether it be the federal federal government or the church or anybody else that wants to include trans ideology within the definition of what it means to be a female. In other words, overlay these subjective identity claims onto the biological reality, the binary distinction between men and women. Why do I take issue with that? Well, frankly, I'll ask this question. What could be possibly more misogynistic than that? What could be more degrading to a woman than to take that position? I'm arguing that this transgender movement, the drag queen stuff, the trans movement, uh, 
It's the moral equivalent of the old minstrel shows, where racist whites dressed up in exaggerated makeup and garb and mocked African Americans. I mean, I want you to think about it in that context. This, this trans movement, this drag queen movement, it, it's literally black-facing women. It's the height of hypocrisy. It's, it's cultural appropriation at its worst. And I would argue it's the quintessential denial of feminism. You can't be a feminist if you deny a female is a biological fact. You can't be a feminist if you cede every legal and ontological right of the woman over to men who promote this insulting caricature of what it means to be a woman. I mean, look at the drag queen events, for example. There's one going on in Bartlesville. All right, They're promoting this stuff in Bartlesville, Oklahoma. So if you're listening to me right now and you're from Bartlesville, you need to recognize that they're promoting drag queen events in Bartlesville. There's going to be a big one at Unity Square outside of the Performing Arts Center in the park there and in the Performing Arts Center. They're, they're going to bring in drag queen stars, and they're going to have a performance. They're actually promoting this as a family-friendly event. They're going to hand out fake money so that people can have fun putting the money in the G-strings of these drag queen stars, these performers. Now, look at the pictures of these drag queens, and you tell me what woman actually looks like that. It's exaggerated makeup. It's exaggerated costume. They're mocking what it means to be a woman. And these are men that are doing it. Again, you can't be a feminist if you deny a female is a fact. And you can't claim to be a feminist if you cede every legal and ontological right of women over to men who are doing this stuff, creating these insulting caricatures of real women. And my question on this whole thing is, when will real women rise up like the courageous black civil rights leaders of the 60s and demand that this stuff stop? Again, it's like the old minstrel shows where whites dressed up in blackface, essentially creating a caricature of what it meant to be African American, and as a result, laughing and mocking and creating a parody. Not a, not a complimentary one of what African-Americans look like, act like, how they communicate, and what they think. That's exactly what's going on in the trans movement. And, and by the way, I'm going to make it clear. I'm going to refuse to do business with any vendors, restaurants, dentists, insurance companies who support this degradation of other human beings. I'm not going to do business. I would no more support this than I would a local company that mocked blacks, Native Americans, Asians, or anybody else for that matter. And I've already canceled a speaking engagement at Crossing Second here in Bartlesville because it's my understanding that they hosted and intended to host this, and maybe still will. I don't know that they'll back down. Uh, I'm encouraging everybody listening right now, if you're from Bartlesville, to take your dollars and your patronage elsewhere. State Farm Insurance is supporting this. Safari Smiles, the dentist, uh, I don't, can't remember the dentist's name that owns Safari Smiles, but they're behind this. So State Farm Insurance, um, 
Safari Smiles, ConocoPhillips, and others are supporting this. They're supporting this degradation of women, this mocking, maligning of women, creating these insulting caricatures of the female. And they're laughing about it. They think it's fun. They're going to make it family-friendly, and they're going to hand out monopoly money, fake money, so that you can have fun putting money in the G-strings and the bra straps, whatnot, of these men who are pretending to be women. How is that right? It's misogynistic. It's a grand insult. It's a grand lie. And until good people rise up and say, we're not going to accept this any longer, uh, it's not going to stop. This misogyny won't stop. So that's why I think that side of the Title IX call is just ridiculous. It's asinine. It's just crazy. It's nuts. To claim to be pro-woman and then turn around and deny that a woman is real. You can't comply with Title IX if the female isn't a fact. But here's the other part of Title IX. All right, I mentioned that I sued the Obama administration for their requirement, their mandate, that we start adjudicating claims of sexual harassment or sexual assault differently on our college campus. Now, let me put it in context. Prior to being a university president, and again, I was president of Oklahoma Wesleyan University for 17 years, prior to that, I was a vice president for student development and dean of students at my alma mater up in Michigan. I, was, I served in that capacity for 10 years. And what does a dean of students do? What's one of his primary responsibilities? Well, it's the, the chief disciplinary. Okay, who holds the students accountable to their honor code, to the, to the policies of the institution? I mean, all colleges and universities have an honor code. Don't, don't just pretend that it's the Christian schools that have rules. No, state schools have rules, too. I mean, just look at the stories when a fraternity or a sorority violates the policies of that school. Often those fraternities and sororities get shut down, and in many cases, rightfully so. Now, some of the rules have shifted in recent years where anybody who expresses a, a view contrary to the progressive woke narrative is in violation of that university's standards. And they're the ones that are being challenged for, for not being woke. But that's just proof to my point. The university has rules. They may be woke rules or they may be right rules, but they have rules. And if you violate those rules, then you're going to be held accountable and somebody's going to adjudicate that case. Somebody's going to hear your case. Somebody's going to talk to you, tell you you violated the rules and there are going to be consequences for doing so. So that's what a dean of students does. That's what a vice president for student development does. And I held that role for a decade prior to coming into the presidency here at Oklahoma Wesleyan University. Now, here's what I did when I received a report of sexual assault or sexual harassment. If I had, and it was usually always a girl, but not always, sometimes it was the other way around, but for the sake of argument, say this is a woman's issue. If I had a woman, if there was a girl, a female, that came into my office or came into the office of one of my staff, a residence hall director or the associate dean or the chaplain or a counselor, and said, I've been sexually assaulted or sexually harassed, Here's what we did. We told 
the woman, we told the girl that we would support her to the full extent of the law, that we would not hide it, that we would not brush it under the carpet, and that we would go with her down to the police to report this case because what had happened to her was illegal. And we wanted to support her in making her claim to the police so that those trained experts and professionals could investigate it. And if the report was proven accurate and true, we would hang the offender from the highest tree. We would not hide it. We would support the girl to the full extent of the law. And there are reasons we did it this way. Number one, as I said, the behavior in question is illegal. Number two, the woman, the girl, has the right to legal protection and legal representation. She has the right to have experts who understand how to investigate this stuff and how to enforce the law accordingly. She has the right to that process. And to be quite candid and honest, I wanted to make sure that novices, amateurs, didn't botch the job. Now, does this make sense to you? I I hope you're listening to this and you're saying, well, good for you. First of all, you didn't brush it under the carpet. Second of all, you supported the woman. You made sure that she had counseling. She had the full support of the institution and your office, and you actually helped her go down to the local police to file a report, and you stood with her through the entire process. And that if the uh, accused was found guilty, he's kicked out of school, you hang him from the highest tree. That's what we did. No apologies for handling it that way. Well, like I said, we received a letter from the Obama administration that under the auspices of Title IX, not only did we have to start denying that women were real and give biological men equal access to their sports and their bathrooms, their showers, their scholarships, their court time, we had to do that, but they also told us that we had to start adjudicating these claims of sexual harassment differently. Well, how so? They literally told us that we couldn't do what I was doing before, that we had to convene an institutional court of faculty, staff, and students to hear these cases and to adjudicate these cases accordingly. That to bypass that step and not do that and instead just take the case directly to the legal authorities so that they could investigate it and that legal charges could be filed accordingly if the investigation proved that the woman had been the victim of sexual harassment or a sexual assault. We couldn't do it that way any longer. We had to have faculty, staff, and students hear this case and make decisions accordingly. And oh, by the way, the accused would not have the right of due process. Essentially, the accused would be presumed guilty until innocent. The opposite of what due process assumes. So I had a problem with this mandate, this side of the mandate. Again, I've already told you why I had a problem with the uh, transgender accommodations nonsense, and I think I've made that clear. But I had a problem with the second part of this, which is included in the Biden administration's rewriting or uh, recommendations, uh, recommended changes for Title IX. It's the exact same stuff that the Obama administration pushed on us back in 2014-15. Big surprise, Biden was part of the Biden of the Obama administration. I mean, he's 
he's doubling down on all of this nonsense, this craziness, this lunacy, this illogical, misogynistic nonsense. He's doubling down on all of it, and it's all coming back. It didn't die. It was just set aside until they could gain power again. And here we are again, being told the exact same stuff. The exact same stuff. It hasn't changed at all. Number one, you got to give men equal access to a woman's bathroom under the auspices of a law that was supposed to give women equal access to facilities and dollars. Now, they're turning that upside down. Good is evil and evil is good. Black is white and white is black. Bitter is sweet and sweet is bitter. Men and women don't exist any longer. Women are men and men are women. So, you all have to you all have to pretend with us, and if you don't, we're going to take your money away. That's what they're saying. And if women suffer in the process, we don't care. But they're also saying that if someone comes into you and says, I've been sexually assaulted or sexually harassed, that you can't just take them down to the police and say, okay, file a report. We'll stand with you through the entire process. Let's find this guy, and let's prove that he did what you're saying he did, and then we'll kick him out of school and we'll support you 100%. And if he has to suffer legal consequences in the court of law, good. We're glad he does. No, we can't do that anymore. we got to bring this kangaroo court of faculty, staff, and students who aren't trained, don't know what they're talking about. And oh, by the way, the accused doesn't have any right of due process and can't have representation, can't bring a lawyer into this kangaroo courtroom. There's problems with this. Very quickly, number one, like I just intimated, the students don't have any training on how to hear these cases. And by the way, aren't you victimizing the, the, uh, the woman again by forcing her to recite this whole scenario in front of her peers? Talk about compromising the right to privacy. The, the woman has to come before her peers and staff that don't know anything and faculty that don't know anything about how to take care of these cases and has to go through the entire thing again? What sense does that make? Talk about uh, secondary victimization. And then, wait a second. What if the, the guy is falsely accused? He can't bring representation to the table, and he's assumed to be guilty until proven innocent. There's no due process involved in this. In this. And they know it. The administration knows this. So in the last minute I have of the show, here's what you should do. If you're going to write, if you're going to submit recommendations, uh, comment on the Title IX issue, you should object to women being dumbed down to fabrications and fantasies. You can't comply with Title IX if women aren't real. And second, you can't violate the Constitution and take away people's due process and constitutional right to representation. And this, this Biden administration move compromises both of those basic principles of common sense. I'm Dr. Everett Piper, and this is The Rebellion.